Good morning to you. It is Sunday, October 8th at 11, 18 a.m. I am um, sending you guys a, a late post game. Uh, I had a horrible day yesterday physically. I had, I don't know if any of you guys have ever struggled with this, but <clears throat> I've had an ongoing thing that um, every now and again it pops up. Every six months to a year, I'll get a a back spasm bout and um, had that happen yesterday I was really debilitated um, couldn't even stand for longer than like five minutes without uh, going into a spasm so I didn't think it'd be a good idea to jump on after the Purdue game and uh, potentially go into a back spasm while live on the air uh, also I don't know if anybody likes to watch these post games especially after out, coming out of a loss I get it I understand um why you wouldn't want to do, but then again, we've discussed this a couple times, both on the Handsome Hour and here on these uh, live post games. That um, if you're watching this, you're probably a bit of a sicko. You've got a big, bit of a problem. So, um, thanks for tuning in. If you're if you're uh, watching it live or if you're watching it uh, on delay, Patrick Pence, thanks for being the one who's checked in already. Really appreciate it. Um, yeah. Uh, Purdue often causes back spasms. That's This is true. It causes lots of different types of spasms, but yesterday was kind of an exceptionally frustrating day on multiple fronts for me. Uh, couldn't even coach my uh, daughter's soccer team. I uh, don't love soccer. Love my daughter. Love the girls who are on her team. Um, and so not being able to, to go be with them was tough. And um, being couch-ridden as I was, I, I literally had a period of time amount of hours where I didn't want to get up because I feared and that I would go into a spasm and I needed to use the restroom. That's how bad it was. So that's the inside baseball. Now you've heard that. We got it out of the way. I feel better, feel good. Um, so uh, all is not lost and uh, it's just something I got to deal with. Everybody's got their thing. So uh, before I get into my deep, deep analysis of the Purdue uh, loss to Iowa in Iowa City, uh, let me thank our sponsors. Thanks to, um, thanks to Home Field Apparel. Head over to homefieldapparel.com. Grab a T-shirt, grab a sweatshirt. They've got a new uh, couple schools they're working with, and I think they've had Campbell for a while. But the Campbell Camel Campbell Camels shirts are awesome. I don't own any. I might get uh, I might get one down the road just because they're cool looking. But if you like those other schools, uh, Homefield's a pretty good place to go there because they've got about seven million licenses. That's a slight exaggeration. Um, but if you like other schools, other other brands. Head over to Home Field. If you like Purdue, they got the good stuff there too. Enter Boiled23 at checkout. Get 15% off. Also, when you're on campus next time, Purdue plays Ohio State next week. Um, uh, when you're on campus for that game, go over to AJ's on Vine. Uh, see our, our friends Adam and Jake uh, and, their, and their very helpful, very capable staff. Get some delicious pub fare. Grab a, grab a pint. Uh, enjoy yourself there. They got TVs on the walls. Uh, AJ's is the best, <clears throat> and they've got the best people. EatAJ's.com before if you want to order ahead and just have the food waiting for you hot. It's a way to do it. So you have probably, if you're anything like me, you've watched some other post game thoughts. Maybe you watched Golden Black. Um, maybe you've watched some other um, your favorite, your favorite pundit, uh, Purdue pundit. Um, and I'm not, uh, I'm not seeing anybody disagree with anything, um, with each other. I'm not seeing much on Twitter that's ground shaking, um, groundbreaking, pardon me. What, what I'm seeing though, is that Purdue's offense, um, 
just can't find rhythm right now. And if you watch the entire game, you saw that Hudson Card came into the game with that um, that tape on his neck, up his shoulder. Um, so he was injured coming in. He was a little dinged up. It's going to happen when you get hit a lot, and he does get hit a lot. And so Hudson Card's got a couple issues that he's got to deal with. On one hand, he's got a lot of Purdue fans, a lot of football fans in general say, why didn't he tuck it and run? Well, he probably doesn't want to get hit any more than he has to. The problem is he's still getting hit regardless because of multiple things. Yesterday was coverage sacks. Iowa did a great job. They'd only send four guys for much of the game until the end when they started uh, really licking their chops. They were they were blitzing Purdue late in the game. Um, really gutsy calls if you really want to get into it. Uh, as Purdue fans, I think we've always wanted a defensive coordinator who will blitz with the game on the line. And Iowa was doing it. Uh, Purdue had a chance to... The wild thing about that game, as poorly as they played, as boring as the game was at times, as slow as it was at times, Purdue still had a chance to win the game in the final drive. They were down by six with the ball in the 20 with two minutes left and no timeouts, and they couldn't manage to move the ball at all. But Hudson Card, um, interesting game. I'll talk about his stats here in a minute. Regardless if Purdue wins or loses, regardless if he looks really bad or looks great to your eye when you're watching Statistically, he seems to be amazingly bracketed in. Like he is incredibly consistent consist, uh, statistically. I'll talk about that. It's wild to me. Like when you watch a game that he played like he did yesterday, he played poorly. I think everybody would say Hudson Card played poorly. I think Hudson Card would say Hudson played poorly. And yet his stati- statistics look solid. His game looks solid. When he plays great, when it looks like he's lighting the world on fire, he looks solid. He does, his stats don't pop off the page. He doesn't throw for 300, 350 yards. He looks solid. That's what he is. He's a solid quarterback. Now, a lot of people wanted Hudson Card to come in and be a Heisman candidate and be uh, um, maybe something that's impossible to be with the structure around him or with the tools at hand, whatever you want to say. He's not that. He hasn't been that. That doesn't mean he can't be that next year. If they get a couple missing pieces, it doesn't mean that. It just means he's not that this year. So a lot of Purdue fans, a lot of fans in general in this era, it's all or nothing, right? You want the guy to be the greatest quarterback ever or you're throwing him out in into the gutter on his ear. I'd caution you not to do that. Um, I don't think it's a good idea with Hudson Card. I think Hudson Card's pretty solid. I think the drop-off to the number two quarterback is going to be significant if we see that. I hope I'm very wrong. hope we get surprised and you see – the next great Purdue quarterback if Hudson ever goes down and we have to see another quarterback. But I think there's a reason we're not seeing the number two quarterback when Purdue has a lead for versus Illinois, for instance. We didn't see a second quarterback. And I have not heard anything out of camp back in August that says, yeah, this other guy looks really good. Because I don't think anybody's really ready yet. That doesn't mean they're bad quarterbacks. It just means they may not be ready. I also have a theory, and I've, I'll tell you guys, I just think it's going to be hard for card to get out of October without missing a game, especially now that we see he's getting nicked up, he's getting bruised and beaten. This is a hard game, guys. If you've ever played a contact sport, I don't care what level it is, and you're a little injured, and then you start getting beaten on even more. Iowa was intentionally taking shots at Purdue. In fact, about third quarter, I know Iowa does this. They've got a history of doing it. They were taking cheap shots at card. There was one tackle where he was already out of bounds. A play two plays later, their defensive end came up over, hit card after he got rid of the ball, and then fell on card. Of course, he held his hands up. I tweeted about this. If you hold your hands up, the refs say, oh, he held his hands up, so that must mean 
He didn't mean anything, so there is no flag. It doesn't change the fact that you behaved poorly just moments before uh, in opposition to what the Big Ten officials think. Uh, they were coming after Card. They were going to hit him. They knew he was injured. They knew he was ding dinged up, and they were going to make him pay. Iowa's defense is relentless. Iowa's defense is great. Uh, Iowa's defense is filled with big, strong, heavy guys that are really, really assignment sound, and then they take risks at the right time. So what it looks like to me, Iowa plays. I'm not um, in, uh, a defensive genius, not far from it, but it looked to me like Iowa was saying, yeah, we're going to go man pretty much for eight or nine guys, and then we're going to have two safeties come up and help. And what it did was it made Purdue receivers have no room for separation. There's not a David Bell on this team. There's not a Rondell Moore on this team, sadly. David Bell, his trick was, number one, maybe the best route runner we've, we've seen in, at Purdue in the last 20 years. But also, if there wasn't room, David Bell had a quarterback that was said, I think David Bell can catch this regardless, and I'm going to throw it into a window that's about this big. And David Bell would go up and get it with a defender draped on his back. Purdue doesn't have that right now. We saw that yesterday. Yassine dropped a ball. Sheffield dropped a ball. Burks dropped a ball or two. That hurts momentum, obviously. So there was a lot of things happening. Card being hurt. Receivers dropping the ball. Then you had the offensive line. Like, generally, they were holding the pocket pretty true. But it broke down every now and again. And, and so a couple plays, Card would drop back. He wouldn't even get it all the way into his drop, and he would, be, he would have an Iowa player in his face. But... I wouldn't put this on the offensive line. They played a solid game. They were really giving Cart time, and it was all about coverage sacks. Iowa does a great job of daring, uh, daring officials to throw the flag of hold, right? Because what they do, they're really physical on the outside, and when a receiver tries to come out of his break, they will try to stop him from coming out of his break, either hooking him, holding him, grabbing his jersey, slowing him down, whatever. It's very smart. They don't have the most athletic uh, corners in the world. Uh, opposed or uh, uh, in disagreement with what NBC's morons were saying yesterday. Iowa just has very physical players, and they're very well coached. But they're, they'll dare uh, officials to throw the flag for a hold when they uh, keep a receiver from coming out of his break. And Big Ten officials shockingly won't call it. Not every time, but not ever. Um but they're good. They're good at what they do. And this is the thing that's so frustrating for Anish and other people that just hate Iowa is you watch them play and you're like, damn it, they're not good. Well, they are good. And they keep winning with this ugly brand of football. If you listen to the post-game comments by Ryan Walters, I thought they were a little funny again. Ryan Walters, again, I've said this before, is Jeff Brom's antithesis in that Jeff Brom didn't tell you anything he didn't have to tell. He would give you one-word answers where he could in a, in a, a presser. Ryan Walters will tell everything he's thinking if you really listen to what he's saying. And one of the really telling things he said yesterday, he said, when we got 14 points, when we went up on that, uh, or when we, when we had that touchdown, I thought we were going to stop him and then we we're going to come down and win. I can tell you this shows a little bit of his optimism, number one. Number two, his naivete. He thought we've got him right where we want him. And I think Iowa thought, we've got you right where we want you. This is what we want. We are completely okay with winning by six or five or four or three or two or one. Iowa doesn't care how they beat you. They just care that they beat you. Kirk, Kirk France does not care about style points. He never has. And yesterday, they did what they do every week. They did it versus Michigan State. Michigan State's not a good team, but they did that versus Michigan State. Up, oh, 
just mark another one up in the left-hand column. They're cruising to me. It looks like to a nine or ten win season. Iowa is, and every game is going to be ugly. They're not going to have a pretty one in the bunch because that's what Iowa does. And we can say we dislike watching it. Jeff Brown was really good at counterpunching Iowa and, and not allowing Purdue's offense to play that slow, ugly game. There was a uh, quote by somebody who was on the sideline. Uh, the NBC sideline reporter said. Uh, Purdue was said, we play fast, and they're making us play snow. we got to play our game. Well, it's a lot easier to say that to, than to actually do it. And the other thing, Graham Harrell, again, his lack of ingenuity, his lack of creativity showed up again. And Iowa completely dictated the pace of the game, the way Purdue was going to play. You can say whatever you want about you want to play with pace. Sure, play, Purdue played one uh, possession with pace. But they had five or six possessions that I counted in which – they didn't get anything out of it. They didn't move the ball. Uh, they didn't get a first down, I think. Um, just, just a frustrating brand of offense Purdue was forced to play by Iowa exerting their will. Here's the thing, guys. If you haven't figured this out, good teams are going to beat up Purdue, and they're going to do everything they can to take Purdue out of rhythm, and they're probably going to succeed this year. That's why I keep saying Purdue can get six wins this year and not beat a good team. It's possible. If you look at the Syracuse loss specifically, that might be the one that we say, man, I wish that one wouldn't have gotten away because Syracuse is not as good as I thought they were. And the only reason they looked so good was because Purdue was too bullheaded the way they were coached that day to come out of what they had game planned for. Schrader made them look stupid. Schrader did not make North Carolina look stupid yesterday. Schrader was kept in check the entire game. Schrader was kept in check by Clemson. Those are two good programs, but guess, here's what we got again. Really good coaches, really experienced coaches are going to probably spin Purdue's young coaching staff into knots. They just are. And eventually, I think these guys are going to get it. I think the light switch will go on. Maybe it's next year. Maybe it's this year. I thought maybe we saw a glimmer of light versus Illinois when they kind of just came alive in that third quarter. But Illinois is very bad. And Illinois showed they're very bad on Friday night. And that's kind of the common thing. Virginia Tech, Illinois, two wins, bad teams. And sadly, Purdue plays a lot of good teams in October. That's really the smelling salts for all Purdue fans. It's going to be a tough month. And the harder thing is we lost uh, we. I, I, I hate being a we guy. Um, Purdue lost uh, Marcus Bow yesterday. That's a big deal. Bad injury. Really good guy. Really good for morale. If you don't know anything about him, Purdue uh, players love him. He's a good dude, um, and he's important because he's been a starter all season, and I think he started half the season or, or three or four games last year. Um, and this is the biggest cost of playing these teams like Purdue's going to play this October is not the losses, it's the injuries. Tracy was nicked up early, and so he couldn't carry the ball. Maccabee looked great in relief, in full relief. Uh, he averaged four and a half yards a carry. Great day. I think he I'll, – I'll dig into those stats in a second – but Mock looked great. Um, Downing wasn't very effective uh, as a, as the two back. You know, the guy who comes in and spells Mockaby for a minute. He he wasn't as effective versus Iowa's big front. Um, but Mockaby really, I said this to my fellow boiled sports guys off the air that Mockaby was the most effective, most consistent Purdue player on offense. There's no doubt, hands down. Sheffield, of course, had that big play that broke up the right sideline for the touchdown. Um, Burks. Had a couple nearly awesome plays, but really more than anything, Burks was was kept in check by Iowa's number one corner. Iowa wanted that matchup. They took it. They got physical with him. They kept him from getting 
clear. He dropped a couple balls, especially he had one that hit both of his hands. He probably should have caught. Difficult catch to make, but he should have caught it. Yassine had a difficult catch to make that he should have caught. He didn't catch. Um, and that was really, that's the whole thing. When you can't make those big plays against Iowa, you don't get a lot of opportunities to do them. But when you, when you can't make those plays, when you can't execute, you're not going to beat Iowa. They're not going to give you a lot of chances. They're not going to be out of position very often. Compare and contrast that to Purdue, right? Purdue was playing a horrible quarterback. He went 6-for-21. He looked, I say this all the time, he looked like he's throwing with the wrong hand when I see a quarterback like that. The ball came out of his hand. They showed a couple slow motion plays where he's not throwing a spiral. I mean, it looks like me throwing a little kid's ball. The ball's kind of fluttering. Huge man, by the way. 260-plus pounds. They, they list him at 253 or something. No way. Um, he's a, he's, it's, it's been a snack or two since he was 253. Big guy. Um, not a very effective passer. And yet he finds a way to win. He had two big plays. One of the, that, that passed down the middle, um, was a big play. Um, and of course the breakdown early, that 60 yard run was probably the thing that defines the entire game. That's the, that's the difference in the game. That one play where Purdue missed a couple tackles, let a running back kind of rip one off. It reminded me a little bit, not exactly the same because he's a little faster, but Dallas Clark ripped off a game, a, a big, um, uh, play against Purdue back in the early 2000s where it was a slow motion developing play. I referenced that on the handsome hour that that would probably happen be a big tight end to it. Nope. It was a running back just kind of slowly leaving the third level, just kind of just not really accelerating past you just happening because guys miss tackles. If you don't execute against these well uh, coached teams, these veteran teams, you lose full stop. Um, and so Ryan Walters may have thought Purdue ha- was in the position to win, but Purdue was not. They, Iowa had control. Iowa did what Iowa does. Uh, let's look at the stats real quick, and then I'll uh, talk to you guys. Appreciate you guys who are here live again. Um, so, like I said, uh, Hudson Card had a solid day. Again, he is 25 and, f- 25 and 40, 247 yards. He had a touchdown. He had two interceptions. So I'm actually right this week. He did have two interceptions. But statistically, again, that the, the the day doesn't look awful. One one touchdown, two interceptions, not good. But he was much worse than that. He had at least, I think he had two called uh, uh, intentional grounding um, penalties. He was throwing the ball behind his head, uh, and I and I'm not mad at him because he doesn't hasn't done that all season. But it was his lowest football IQ game he's played he's played at Purdue he looked bad because he was getting hit a lot he's under duress he's in pain I'm not gonna make too many excuses for him but it's a bad day he had a QB rating of 27 okay off that's awful okay that's awful but Deacon Hill on the other side uh the hefty righty from Iowa had a QB rating of two two dose that's two high school quarterbacks playing if you ask me um Gracious! What a what a horrible, what a horrible display of quarterback play on both sides. And I'd love to tell you it was because Purdue's front made Deacon Hill look bad, like Iowa's front made Hudson Card look bad. But that's not the case. I uh, I think Purdue had. I can give you an answer on this. Uh, yeah, I thought I was right in my head. Purdue had one sack, and it was Mo Adon- uh, Mo Ama- Amanode. Um, the Lafayette product, West Lafayette product, had one sack. I think it's his first sack of his career, I believe. That was, that, was, that was a big play. I think it was early in the game. I think it was first half. 
but that's not the same. On the other side, Iowa had six sacks on Hudson Card. Many of those were on him, too. Like I said, he was holding on to the ball a long time. He would not get rid of it. That's completely on Hudson Card. Um, he's got to be better. He's got to be better. And he, uh, I'm sure he knows that. I don't think he's a guy that ever shirks responsibility. He just has to be better. On this team, you can't just play an okay game and expect to win against anybody. So, uh, Maccabee, 20 carries, uh, 89 yards, four and a half yards a carry, a touchdown. It's the only running back that had a touchdown. Uh, Tracy was, was ruled out early because of being nicked up, four carries, eight yards. Um, and Downing had eight carries for 39 yards. Pretty good, 4.9, better than I thought. 4.9 yards a carry, better than I thought. Um, but when I watched him, especially in the second half, they, he was really bottled up, he looked at me. Sheffield had that big catch, 43-yard uh, catch. Uh, six receptions, 93 yards, uh, and a touchdown. Miller looked solid again, and thank God he is because it seems to me like uh, everything's pointing at Max Clare not returning this season. That's just what it seems like to me. No insider information. Hope he gets back. But uh, Miller had eight receptions, 71 yards. Um, it's a good day. Mockaby had three receptions. Burks had four receptions for just 19 yards. And Iowa clearly said, we're going to take away Burks. I'll say this again. That was really one of their points of contention coming into the game. Uh, Jaden Dixon-Beal was having a bigger and bigger role every, uh, every week, it seems like. They're kind of folding him more into the lineup. He had a couple uh, receptions, 14 yards. And uh, Yassine had probably one of his worst, probably it is his worst game since he's... Um, uh, been in, put back in the starting lineup after injury last year. Just one reception, 14 uh, yards. But he had a big drop. Like I said, it was a hard catch. I don't want to get on the guy. But that that catch, if you make that catch, if you come up with that catch, um, uh, he was well defended, but he hit both of his hands on a diving effort. Got to make that catch. That catch would have been a, a big difference maker, I think, in the momentum of the game. Um, and you just don't get a lot of shots like that. Um, Sanusi Kane had a great game, led, all, led the whole team with um, nine tackles. Thieneman, of course, stays solid, eight tackles. And uh, Karloftis had four tackles, but he had a big breakdown. He couldn't stay with um, Iowa's tight end on a um, just kind of a trickle route. He just kind of got outside. Um, Karloftis could not stay with him, and that was kind of the backbreaker for Purdue's Iowa's last touchdown. Um, Karloftis was a, was a step slow. Uh, what can you say? It's uh, I was a good team. Uh, we can. I think you guys are, know I'm pretty clear on this. Um, Jeff Brom was a great coach versus Iowa. Jeff Brom, uh, I really am not rooting for Jeff Brom at Louisville. I don't. I I kind of was waiting to see how I'd feel about Louisville um, with him as the coach. I watched Louisville versus Notre Dame, and I don't feel any really urge to pull for Louisville. I still don't like Louisville's athletic department. I still don't like their football or their basketball team, regardless of who's at the head coach. So that's where I stand on that. I'm not a Jeff Brom hater. I just, I never have liked Louisville. And he's there, and that's his home, and great. Congratulations. Um, and, uh, yeah, so they beat Notre Dame. He's probably going to win 10 games this year. That's going to frustrate the hell out of people like me and Jay, who his – Dream. He just wants to see Purdue win tw 10 games in football. That's all. Like he's not, like a lot of you guys, you have, maybe it's an arbitrary thing you set up in mind. 10 wins is an arbitrary line, but it's a, it's a, it's quite a mark, right? Double digit wins in football. It's a big deal. We've seen other teams do it. Why the hell can't Purdue? Who knows? Who knows? Um, hopefully Walters will get Purdue there in two, three years. It's not going to be this year, obviously. <laughs> it's not going to be next year, I don't think, because there's so much program to building to do. Um, and, uh, I think 
I think that before Walters can get to the, the point where Purdue is a team that's beating teams week in, week out, and his dreams of beating Iowa on the final drive, things like that, they're going to need either uh, Graham Harrell to learn some tricks, uh, Purdue to get some superstars in there, or him to get another coordinator. Plain and simple, because it's got to be one of those things. Right now, he's calling a game. Uh, Graham Harrell is calling an offensive game, an offensive game that really is predicated on Purdue's athletes being better than their opponent's athletes. That's not going to happen unless you're playing teams like maybe Minnesota this year, Illinois, of course. Um, Nebraska, they're going to struggle with that, even though Nebraska isn't. They have got athletes, right? IU, you might be able to beat them, might be able to beat their – their athletes straight up Northwestern you should be able to you will beat Northwestern's athletes straight up but his game plan it does it's not like the creativity of Joe Tiller or Jeff Brom where you're like okay we're gonna put these guys in a position where it's almost like overwhelming them with a uh with an advantage we're gonna do something with a formation we're gonna put guys in a position where a linebacker is guarding a fast slot receiver a linebacker is guarding David Bell somehow right we don't see any creativity, enough for it to matter. And so I'm very frustrated. If I'm frustrated with one thing on Purdue's program this year, more than anything else to me, it's play calling and lack of creativity and ingenuity by Graham Harrell because Purdue has to have it. They have to have it. You're not going to go toe-to-toe with people. And on the other side, let's be real honest, on that side too, Purdue is playing a lot of the game. They're playing a lot of man-type defense with the help of a safety and so, again, you're asking Purdue's athletes to be better than their athletes. And Purdue right now, especially with the program as it is, they lost a lot in the offseason. They've had some plug-and-play guys that have been pretty damn good. But there aren't a lot of superstars out there on the field. There's some solid players and some guys that are developing into something. Karloftis could be special. Who knows? I'm, I'm using him as an example. But right now, those guys are a year or two away. So, need more creativity. Full stop. You need more creativity, especially against these great teams. Or you need to take risks. Or you need to play with pace. Or you're never going to beat the really good teams in the Big Ten, the upper third of the conference. I'm not even talking about Michigan, Ohio State. Michigan, By the way, Ohio State, they showed it again yesterday versus Maryland. They're a fine team, an okay team. They're not a great team. They're not a top. To me, that's not a, even close to a top ten team when I watch them. Um, they... They wear teams down by the fact that they've got so many bodies and so many five-star guys, even young five-star guys, but they're just not that good right now. Of course, they'll probably show me I'm wrong next week. But really, versus Maryland, you had three quarters of even football, and then or two and a half anyway, and then they just stepped on them. Um, but that's, that's it's not an inspiring brand of football either. But if Purdue expects to call a straight-up, non-creative play calling uh, on offense and defense – we're going to keep getting the same damn results. And if that's what they want to do for a couple of years, you're going to have some attrition in the fans. You're going to have a lot of frustrated people, people not like me who will stick around. You're going to have a lot of people say, I'm going to spend my Saturday another way. I'm not going to buy tickets. So hate to say it. I wish everybody was a diehard. I wish they were all like you guys who are here watching, tuning in, because you guys are, are the core. It's great. Great to have fans like that, but not everybody is. There are a lot more people that just love the good time. They love the party. For some reason, they don't like leaving a game after a loss. So let's look at uh, Appreciate you guys being here. Um, let's see. Pat Pence was here. I told you that. Mohill 93. Uh, fought till the end. They did. No doubt about it. That's one team. That's one thing, again, 
It's a big difference between a lot of Purdue's dark eras. This team fights. They keep going. They're doing their best. They're they're working their ass off. Whatever you want to say, but they're just not good enough to get over the hump. Um, let's see. If he just learned to throw the ball away, the game would change dramatically. Yeah, he he did not throw the ball. If, in fact, he almost looked like he didn't like did not want to throw the ball away, right? There are a couple times where you're like, this is a dangerous situation. Get rid of it. And he didn't want to do it. He tried to throw downfield a couple times where he just didn't belong doing it and Purdue paid for it. I think at least one of those interceptions was he had, he, he had, he had a guy hanging on his leg, right? On one of those interceptions. And he tried to make something happen. Of course it didn't happen. You got a dude hanging on your leg. You can't step into the throw. That's, that's a boneheaded play by card. Um, yeah. So happened way too often. Just get rid of the ball, get outside the pocket and throw it away and learn to, you know, live another day. Don't take the hit. Uh, Chris B says rough and disappointing game, but on to the next one. I hope the team learns and improves and moves forward. I just want to see some growth. Yep. Me too, Chris. And I think you saw a little growth versus Illinois. Like I said, I think that's how the season's going to go. It's got to be rough against these good teams. You may see like them stand and fight, take punches, try to give out punches. They're not going to be able to deliver a punch when their arm's that much shorter than their opponent. It's like, uh, trying to, if you've ever seen an old heavyweight match where, where one guy's my height and the other guy is six feet tall, you just can't, you don't have the reach. You don't have, you may have the power, you don't have the reach, or you may have the power, but you don't have the quickness, something. Purdue can't trade punches with these big programs in the Big Ten. Ohio State, Michigan, Iowa, Wisconsin, um, those teams are going to be trouble. You know, they don't have to play Penn State. Penn State would be trouble, even though I don't think Penn State's an inspiring good, inspiringly good team. A team like Penn State would be nothing but trouble for Purdue because of their depth, their talent, and the fact that they have an identity. I keep saying those same things week in, week out. Uh, Cards had 75 yards rushing through six games, been sacked for 68 yards per ESPN. Uh, da, da, da. Uh, still, still like card, uh, does a lot well. This is Arizona or A2Z gamers. Uh, he does a lot well, but his decision-making and quickness need to improve. It's funny. If you listen a couple weeks ago, Jay talked about this in, uh, one of the handsome hours that he loved cards, decision-making in the first couple games. And I agree. It looked really good. Fresno State, in fact, he wasn't trying to do anything outside of himself, right? They always say, don't play outside of yourself because you get in trouble. But now it's like he's trying to do everything he can to make every play successful. And in the process of doing so, he's extending plays that you can't extend. For instance, when someone's hanging on you and tackling you, it's time to just cover that ball and, and fall on the ground and not take a hit instead of trying to throw it over your head backwards. Uh, John Younger says, Bo is one of my faves too. Such a bummer. Yeah, it's a huge bummer. I love that guy. And I, I've interacted with him a bit with him on Twitter, praying for his quick... Um, recovery. I think he's going to, whatever injury it is, I believe it looks like something he's going to need surgery on whenever they bring that air cast thing out. Um, that's a, seems like a medical advancement. It's been awesome in, in sports med. Again, tune into your, 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 your favorite sports doctor, Dr. Boiler Dowd. But I, when they immobilize your leg like that, it's a bad sign. Um, and uh, I think this one's probably going to garner in uh, garner surgery. Hopefully he's, uh, he, he's, 100% next year when camp comes around. I'm looking at that. But I could be wrong. Uh, Jim Garfinkel says uh, he holds the ball too long because plays develop slowly. Yes. And uh, reads are incomplete. Sure. O-line opens up the backfield uh, and Harrell. Great points, Jim. All the way around. But the big one of the plays developing too slowly, to me, again, that comes with you need receivers that can 
do one of a couple things. One, you have such confidence in them making that that catch in traffic. Um, like O'Connell had confidence in Bell, right? O'Connell, clearly an accurate quarterback in hindsight, clearly an accurate quarterback, but he had some safety blankets. He had Wright, he had Bell, he had Moore. There isn't a right Bell or Moore on this team right now. I would say you get uh, somewhat close. Burks has some special weapons in the fact that he can just burn a guy with a speed. But you can't run flies all the time, right? You can't say go routes all the time because they're just going to say, okay, we'll drop a safety. We'll keep a safety covering him on one side. And Yassine's a good, um, solid possession receiver. But when you bracket him, he's in big trouble. So that's Purdue's one and two right there. So that leaves Sheffield. And Sheffield didn't get a lot of opportunities. But when he did, he made a big play. Um, yeah, Purdue has some issues, I think, with route running and the ability to get away from contact when they come out of their breaks. I think that's, and I would love to see, I don't have the ability because I don't have the the, the uh, film where the camera's further back where I can watch just a receiver and ISO in on him. Uh, so I have to rely on when I'm at the game. And that's what I saw last couple weeks when I was there. Um, obviously can't see that on the on the NBC feed. So I'm sure you guys have... Nothing but positive things to say about Purdue being on Peacock. Um, week in, week out, we hear that from you guys. Just kidding. Um, yeah, uh, Jim Garfinkel says also not to complain about the 75-yard run assisted with a few unseen O-line. Yeah, Jim, there's going to be holds. There's going to be holds. Uh, it's Big Ten football, and they're not going to call it. So, usual. Uh, Mohel93 says, hope we don't see another delayed handoff all year. <laughs> yeah, you're going to see them uh, because I don't think we've got a lot of bag of tricks coming. Pat Pence. Two categories that Purdue is holding its own on, uh, winning time of possession and total yards. Yeah, they've done that pretty much every game, haven't they, where their time of possession has been solid. Um, I think at one point it was like 22 or 23 to 10 time of possession. Um, that's that's really solid. Uh, it's really, really good. But if you can't get past the 20 or the 30 and then you make mistakes down uh, in the shadow of the goalposts, you're not going to score. And Purdue's had some problems stalling out drives. Uh, let's see. Uh, there's a big difference. In, okay. Uh, yeah, a, let's A2Z Gamers again. He says there's a big difference in resources, $450 million plus in Louisville donations compared to Purdue's $250 million in donations. Yeah, the, Louisville has a lot of things that Purdue doesn't have, and some of them are good and some of them are bad. One of them, though, is um, they've got cash that flows into their athletic program, regardless of how it gets there and the means of which they distribute it, where they go with it, all that stuff. Yeah, Louisville is a weird place, but they do have some resources. Somebody said this a couple of years ago, Adidas's number one school priority-wise for the way they allocated funds for their programs in basketball was Louisville. That shocked me. That was when, uh, back before all the scandals started um, falling down at Louisville. But there's a reason for that, and that's because a lot of people that are Louisville fans spend a lot of money on Louisville gear, so the return of investment from Adidas is very, very sound. And so Adidas is willing to have their bagmen on the ready for Louisville athletics. That stuff matters. That stuff matters a lot. Um, and um, I don't want to talk about this too much. Sorry. Gets me wound up. Uh, Jim Garfinkel says, agree with the Ohio State take, but Michigan is the best. Michigan is absolutely the best team in the country right now. Um, sorry for interrupting uh, your point by not saying it, but yeah, you're right, Jim. Um, Michigan is the best team in the country. It's kind of a weird NCAA football year because you see there are a lot of really good teams, really good teams. 
Washington's a really, really good team. Oregon's a really good team. Georgia's a really, really good team. Michigan's a really, really good team. Um, there's a lot of teams that you're like, wow, they, they look very solid. But there's not a dominant single team. So that's nothing but positive for us as fans, especially when we don't have uh, uh, rooting interest in one of those teams. It makes for a more fun um, stretch down the season. So we'll see what happens with that. Hopefully we'll see some uh, some upsets. That's the thing I'm always rooting for chaos. Jack uh, Pridemore says, uh, keep doing these. Love to hear the insight even after the L's. Thanks, Jack. Appreciate it. Um, honestly, there's a catharsis of doing these for me that uh, has always been important. Keeps me mentally sane uh, because if you notice, there's nobody else here around me. Sometimes I'll get LBD here, um, but a lot of times it's me venting about my frustration um, and getting out there and saying things that I've you know, sometimes I, uh, I'll get a little, little ahead of myself, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's, I appreciate you, you tuning in. John Younger says, better not call vanilla game plan against Ohio State. I'm afraid it's going to be a long, cold October next Saturday. So a couple of interesting things, John. Uh, number one, obviously this is not a night game. It's not the most, uh, inspirational surrounding as Purdue is two and four. Now Ohio State, uh, remains undefeated. Ryan Day, to me, is not Urban Meyer in that he doesn't let his guard down. He'll have them ready. Um, Purdue has kind of flirted with having competitive games with Ohio State, but they haven't really had one where you're like, oh, they were right there. Um, it's different. And I know Ohio State fans, a lot of them wish for the good old days of Urban Meyer because they were always important and they always looked the part, but they would always drop one they shouldn't. Many times it was against Purdue. Um Ryan Day is a great coach, uh, and Ryan Day doesn't take lesser opponents lightly. So um, I think they could beat up on Purdue if Purdue's not ready and they're not creative. Like, beat up on them. They could they could do something where we haven't seen Ohio State really do it this year where they they make an example out of a team. And they're due to do that for in a game. Uh, I sure hope I'm wrong, uh, but it could happen if Purdue doesn't do something where they get on track early. It, you think it's hard to get away from Iowa's defensive backs. It's really hard to get away from Ohio State because they have more speed on the outside. Their defensive backs, even when they're young, they're just so damn fast. It is a pipeline to the NFL for, for a couple reasons. One, they have speed. Ohio State always has speed in their defensive backfield, but they have size generally too. Um, I don't know if they're particularly large right now, um, but they're, they're a lot better personnel than Iowa right? year in, year out. Uh, ben, uh, and I wish I could do your name every time. I love interacting with you on Twitter, Ben. Uh, ben Kolodzinski, I hope I'm close, uh, says, disappointing the drive-killing mistakes, but there are positives here. There's lots of positives. This is not a death sentence, Purdue fans. This is not something where you're like, oh boy, uh, we're going to be in hell for the coming years. I don't see it that way at all. I I, I just don't. I see there's, there's going to be development. It's just the question is how much... Patience do you have, or how are good at you in in seeing the positives, having a good perspective even during losses? That's that's a pretty good Iowa team. Okay, that's a what were they four and one coming in yesterday? Iowa's pretty good, and Purdue was right there again. They had the ball in their hands with the ability to uh, to to win the game. Were they going to drive down the field? No, I didn't think so. But that doesn't matter. I mean, Purdue was right there. Is this what Iowa wanted? Sure, they don't have any problem with that. I keep saying the same things, but there's lots of positives there. I think if you have a healthy Hudson card coming into the game, 
Or if you have Graham Herald, just mix it up just a little bit. Maybe you have a different game. Or or something that's much more in the in the realm of possibility. The receivers come up with a couple difficult grabs. Not impossible grabs. Difficult grabs. It might have changed the game enough to tip it. Or, again, that 165-yard run. Uh, if you make the tackles early in that play, you're fine. Instead of letting it go. But... This this is one thing Purdue has had all year. If a guy gets past that second level, there's no third level other than one guy. And if that one guy, if Thieneman, Superman, is not around, you're in deep, deep trouble. And Purdue was on that play. Adam says, uh, Adam, how are you? Uh, says, 30 days till basketball season. I, I don't ever wish away football season, Adam. And I know um, you and I have talked about this. Adam, by the way, that's the Adam who owns AJ's, one of the owners, AJ's. And um, have you guys visited AJ's recently? You should. Um, yeah, basketball season not far away. I think the uh, Arkansas um, charity game, whatever it is, uh, in uh, in Fayetteville is at the end of October. I think it's October it's 26, sound right? I don't know. Um, it doesn't count. So, uh, But that game's coming right up. Um, basketball will be here soon. I just don't, I never wish away football season. I never do. I love it. It's such a short season. We're already past midpoint. That's sad, or we're right at midpoint, whatever. It's sad. Hate that. So uh, let's see. Uh, thank you, Ben. He says I nailed his last name. I don't know if I could do it again, uh, but thank you. Um, let's see. Chris R., sorry I didn't get here till late. The penalties were drastically in Iowa's favor. Was that home field advantage working? I don't know. I mean, here's here's the thing with with Big Ten refs, if you haven't figured this out. If you're the aggressor, okay, if you're playing your game and you're kind of defining the game, refs, Big Ten refs specifically, are not going to um, – they're not going to penalize you as much because it looks like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, right? I always was the aggressor. When Purdue was the aggressor um, versus Illinois, it looked like Illinois was frustrated on their heels having bad things happen. So – I don't know. I think Big Ten refs suck. I've said this over and over. They're bad at their job. They miss the calls. They they, they miss holding all the time. They miss basics, holding, pass interference, things that are easy to make. It's all, like they're always looking in the wrong area or they're out of position. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put that on that. I just, I can't, I, I can't do that. It's not my way unless it's just totally blatant or one key call comes down to it. Like years ago when the big, when, when the officials miss the, uh, catch um, versus Missouri at Ross Aid. That was a, an official really changing the course of the game directly with one bad call. Uh, re, replay officials were also involved in that one, and they still made the bad call. But uh, I don't know. Purdue lost because Purdue didn't have enough juice, right? They didn't have enough ingenuity. They didn't have enough uh, creativity. So, all right, guys, as Jay gives me a hard time, uh, he'll probably watch this on delay on on quick speed. It's 42 minutes in. One guy talking for 42 minutes about a loss. Imagine if it were a good season, how much I'd talk. I kid. I don't know. I don't know if these are just going to keep getting perpetually longer, but I do appreciate all you guys interacting live. It makes a world of difference. It makes the game, it makes this fun for me because there are things that I forget. I'll put, I'll jot down notes. I'll go, go live. And then when you guys bring things up, I'm like, yep, I meant to talk about that. So do appreciate you tuning in live. I uh, do appreciate the interactions. Always fun. Uh, it's great talking to you guys. Um, let's see. Daniel Reese says, are we struggling with personnel? Ron English defense was rubbish, but now looks solid. Is Purdue just a hard place to get solid players? Well, Daniel, here's one thing that I'm going to say about, and this is the last thing I'm going to say today 
because I'm, I'm going to quit really. Um, but Jeff Brom, I said this on Twitter is a savvy person. He is a savvy guy. He knows when to pull the trigger on an opportunity and when to walk away from it. He also knows when to play people like a puppet. He has been very good about that. He did it at Purdue. Um, he knew what was coming down the pike at Purdue. He knew the schedule was going to be absolutely monstrous this year. He knew that he was going to have attrition because of graduation and other reasons. There was a lot of writing on the wall that he knew that we didn't know. And he also knew on the other side that Louisville's coffers were not empty. Uh, Satterfield was a good coach. Regardless what Louisville fans say, they're wrong. Satterfield is a good coach, was a good coach at Louisville. Look at their record. They weren't bad there. And so inheriting a six or seven win football team like Brom did at Louisville, where he wants to be an inspired Jeff Brom, inherits a bunch of good personnel, and then he gets a bunch of Purdue guys to come with him. That's a pretty sweet deal, right? Pretty sweet deal. Did he take four or five Purdue football players? I think he did. Um, he's a savvy guy. You can like him or dislike him, whatever. It doesn't matter. He's not a dumb, dumb, right? So is it hard for people to get, uh, recruits at Purdue? It was hard for Jeff Brom. If you want to be pissed off at Jeff Brom, there's a reason to be pissed off. His last two recruiting classes were not great. That's Jeff's fault. That's Jeff and his staff's fault. Will he be more inspired at Louisville? Will he be able to drop a bag of cash on, on guys, uh, steps in the name of NIL? Sure he will. Sure he will. Would he be able to do that at Purdue? Not as much. But Purdue has shown, one thing you see, the Zach Eady saga, the Zach Eady career, the Zach Eady era has shown that Purdue fans and the Purdue machine has the ability now for a proven commodity, a guy that's a Purdue guy, we'll try to keep him, do everything we can to keep him. Now, will Purdue play this game with recruits? I don't think so, and I kind of hope not. I don't want any part of that bullshit. Even though it's legal, I still think it's bad. I still think it's grimy. I still think it's not within the rules either. Even though the NCAA can't do anything about it and won't do anything about it, you can bet your lucky stars that Louisville is going to do what they can. They've got the infrastructure because they've been doing this for a long time. Long before this was legal, they were doing it. And I'm not speaking out of term. I am. You can look for one second on a Google search and find recruiting violations. That's what they do down there. So have a great Sunday, guys. Enjoy some NFL football. Um, enjoy uh, the week ahead. Uh, it's going to be a little different for me. I'll, I'll maybe talk about it on the Handsome Hour. But tune in to the Handsome Hour Monday, 9 p.m. If you like this content, you'll love that. So God bless you. Hammer down. Have a great day. Sorry about the 46 minutes, but do appreciate you sticking around for it. We'll see you.